What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another off-season episode of the Mets Up Podcast. We've got a lot coming at you. There's actually, like, surprisingly a lot of Mets news to talk about that we're excited to actually be talking about the Mets at this point, as well as we're going to do a little World Series preview for you because, as you know, it's going to be Diamondbacks who, thank goodness, beat the Philadelphia Phillies going up against the Texas Rangers in the World Series. We're going to preview that entire matchup for you guys, too. So if you like what you're listening to, watching over here, make sure you follow us on our social media at Mets Up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube version of this, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel and subscribe over there. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. The boys have been on the road. I've been in Arizona. James has been in San Francisco. How's it feel bad? Or how's it feel to be back in New York? It feels good. Really, I just feel good to be doing the show again. This is like this is eight days since we last recorded an episode. This is the longest we've gone without recording in like a, basically a full year. And I miss you guys. I want to talk to you guys about baseball. I'm excited to talk about Mets stuff, some big things happening and excited to talk about this World Series because I think as opposed to what some like nationally syndicated writers will have you believe, I think there's one of the more interesting and exciting World Series matchups that we've had in a really long time. I have something shame on the writers for doing that. You have a chance to hype up two great teams that are built in different ways. The Diamondbacks and Rangers two years ago both had a hundred wins or a hundred losses. My bad. A hundred losses in the 2021 season. They're both in the World Series right now. This may not be exciting per se from the national standpoint for the idiots who don't actually love baseball, who are like, man, I want to see the Dodgers versus the Yankees every single year. That's actually not good for baseball. Having teams like this get into the World Series, growing the game in these markets. I mean, Texas, not as much, but even Arizona, like growing the game in that market is super big for a franchise that is still relatively young, only about 30 ish years old. I think this might be even their 25th season. Uh, really good stuff. Shame on the writers, though, for saying this this World Series is not going to be exciting. When we go into the full preview, we'll tell you more about it. But these are two awesome teams. Awesome teams, really fun. Um, also, a team that has never won a World Series. Any team in any sport in a championship that's never won one, I think is incredibly exciting. Yep. It's just never happened before. Also, a breath of fresh air. First time since 2016. I'm sure you guys have seen these on Twitter because every single national media outlets tweet this exact thing first time since 2016 that the Astros or Dodgers have not been in the World Series which I think it's really cool like new blood and I think this also again we'll talk about more in the preview but I think this just highlights like some of the great aspects of modern baseball like I've chastised the playoff format a lot on this show especially but I think a team like the Diamondbacks who has an incredibly low payroll I don't think anybody on the roster makes more than 12 million dollars annually to show that they won 84 games. They barely snuck into the playoffs. They were just meandering, mediocre in the middle of the season. They went out the trade deadline. They got aggressive. They got hot at the right time. They're young. They're exciting. The ball bounced their way a few times, and they can make the World Series have a really good chance to win it. It's really cool. It's really cool, and we're going to talk about it a lot because I think, again, this is one of the more exciting World Series we've had in a very long time. But first, got a lot of mess stuff to talk about. A lot, a lot of mess stuff to talk about here. A couple housekeeping things. First off, we had two Mets nominated for MLBPA Choice Awards players. So clap it up. Clap it up. Francisco Lindor for the second year in a row, nominated for the Marvin Miller Man of the Year. He won the award last year, 2022. And those not familiar with the awards, voted on by the players. All of these MLBPA awards are voted on by the players. Goes around every, every clubhouse, every locker room in the league. And it's given out to a player who inspires others to higher levels of achievement by their on-field performance and contributions to their communities. We know how great of a leader Francisco Lindor is. We also know he does great charity work with his uh, organization, Lindor Smiles. Also, the Boys and Girls Club Make-A-Wish. He's also done so much work as alma mater, Montford High School. He's donated a million dollars there to build yep. a middle school a few years ago, the Lindor Hall. He funds a scholarship in his name. He has free clinics at the school. He's bought them team uniforms in the past. We've talked about ad nauseum about how much he does on the field as a leader, how great he was this year, and what was a bad season for the Mets. 
talking every single day, saying the right things, being accountable to the media, going out, doing what he had to do every single day. So really nice to see him be recognized for this two years in a row. Yeah, I mean, Lindor is the man. You talk about the on-field presence, too. How about the fact that he played the entire season seemingly with, like, the bone chips in his elbow that he got surgically removed, and he still had one of the best seasons a shortstop had in baseball this year. Off the field, like you said, he's incredible. Everything about Francisco Lindor is awesome, and it makes it that much even more worth it, the fact that he's here for the next eight, nine seasons. I don't remember exactly how long the contract has left. But he's here for the foreseeable future, makes that contract even better that not only is he great on the field, but he does so much off the field to help people who need help. I mean, just being able to take your time like that when you are playing so much baseball, you then want to spend time with your family. Obviously, he had a newborn and he's got his daughter. Like, you want to spend time with your family. You don't get that much time with them during the season to then use any of that extra time you have to help others who need it. I mean, that's incredible stuff. It is. Shout out to him, of course. And then Kodai Senga. And National League Outstanding Rookie. This isn't like the Syndicated Rookie of the Year award, but this is, again, one voted on by the players. And the finalists were Kodai, Corbin Carroll, and Spencer Steer. So the class of National League, Kodai Senga, as we know, just amazing. Francisco Lindor also named the Gold Glove finalist last week. It happened, like, right after we recorded. I was pretty upset, like, hours after we recorded, all these things came out. Yeah. I was like, damn. But, uh, again, kind of disappointing. No utility Gold Glove nomination for Jeff McNeil. Mookie Betts and Hassan Kim were both nominated for utility and their primary positions, which I thought was a little frustrating compared to like give someone who's like, you know, a little more of utility utility, but those guys still were, and those guys had amazing years. So just, just be, just being a little, being a little sour, being a little sassy about it, but whatever. I, so like, I'm okay with Mookie Betts getting it because he did something that you just like, honestly haven't seen a player like ever really do play right field at a goal goal level. And then also be like, Hey, you know what? I'll play second base and shortstop as well. Hassan Kim one because the guy we're talking about in the Mets does that every year. Yeah, but I, I mean, like Hassan Kim, like played what shortstop and second exactly. base this year. Yeah. Like well, that's that's a little bit of a cop out to call him a utility player. He's a utility infielder. I feel like for utility, you have to play both infield and outfield. What do you think about that? I don't disagree with you at all, or at least play like a middle and a corner, which Hassan Kim did some corner, but shortstop and second, while they're the most important defensive positions on the infield, they're a little, they're kind of just a little, little very more similar than most other positions on the diamond. And Tommy Edmond was the third guy nominated for that he had much more of an even distribution too between infield and outfield and he was plus at both so i do think he is good for that and just mookie best should get as many awards as possible this season because <laughs> yeah. he had like historically incredible season we're all going to forget it because he went well one for 17 the ds against the snakes the most got exciting. one more hit one more hit than we did in the postseason <laughs> yeah but snakes the most exciting team in america america's team if you will so he can't really fault someone for that but yeah, just Mookie Betts was a revelation this year. Also, fun little one. Francisco Alvarez nominated for the Luis Aparicio Award. Whoa. Given yearly to the best Venezuelan Major League player. Okay. I don't think he's going to win it. There's a lot of amazing Venezuelan players. But the fact <laughs> yeah. that he's been recognized for that, great. Huge first step. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, Francisco, we know, had like a crazy hot start to the year. Cooled off a little bit as the year went on. Season's long. He's, he was still so, so young. But overall, looking back at his season, I know uh, your your boy Gabby Moreno is one of your uh, favorite catching guys right now, and he's getting a lot of love in the postseason. He's had a great postseason, not going to deny it. But then you look at Francisco Alvarez, like, man, that guy hit like 20 more home runs than Gabby Moreno this year. Yeah. Like Alvarez has done some special stuff at an extremely young age, and super cool to see him recognized as one of the best Venezuelan players in baseball at the age of what, James? 21. Yes. 21 years old. Oh my gosh, his birthday, I think, next week. We got to do something. Ooh, 22nd yeah. birthday. Celebrate. Well, you know what? We'll invite him to, we'll, we can hang out. We can get, yeah. a, get a drink if he wants. He wants to come out. We know some good food in the area. We'll invite him out. We can just make some lasagna too. Have a lasagna party, the three of us. I, I'm Maybe arepas. I'll have an yeah, Ar- If Francisco Alvarez wants to have an arepa, I'll have one, even though there's cheese in them. 
Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. Learn. We just both just give ourselves like horrible stomach aches and at being out of commission just to hang out Francisco Alvarez and eat food, so he doesn't think we're weird and can't eat stuff. I, I'm down for that. Um, yeah. Also, for you guys who don't know, Gab Moreno is kind of a meme for Mark and I because like going all the way back to when he was doing streams in the beginning of the season on YouTube and then back when he did the playoff preview stream the first day of the wild card round, I was telling him how great Gab Moreno was as a baseball player, and he was like, "I don't see it. I don't really see it." He's gone on to be the hero of this postseason. So shout out Gabby Moreno. Mark didn't believe. I will believe for now, we'll, but we'll wait until after the World Series to see if I continue to believe. Uh, some other stuff going on here. We also got a little Yoshinobu Yamamoto info, a little Yamamoto scoop here. Will Salmon, friend of the show, Athletic, did a great piece on him. Sources say Yamamoto wants a big market. And uh, James, just just talking about the biggest markets in the world, what would, what would the biggest market be, you think? I look at my window. I think New York. New York's a pretty yeah. big market. I think just objectively speaking, if someone wants a big market and the one exists, I think just we could tell you this possible, this possible connection. And we'll leave it at that. But uh, some other great tidbits from this article. Again, shout out Will. He's a great reporter there for the Athletic. Um, there was some. He kind of just like took the temperature of a lot of Japanese players that have come over to America in recent years. And there's basically always been a bit of an understanding that players coming over don't really like popular contrary belief want to play with other Japanese players and. This was a quote from the article due to the importance of seniority in Japan's hierarchical, I can't say that word, hierarchical structure. Hierarch. Ooh, that is a hard one. <laughs> right? I'm Hier- hierarchical? Is that it? <laughs> I was wrong. You guys understand what we're saying. That culture. And um, But apparently, that's not how Yamamoto feels. And a big part of that is Kodai Sanga, because Kodai has openly said how much he wants to play with him, which is also apparently a very rare thing for Japanese players to be like, I want to play with this guy. But Kodai has put so much of an emphasis on winning. And he also, again, you guys have heard him on this show. We've talked to him a few times. Just his personality is a little bit more new age, a little bit more modern in terms of what Japanese baseball players traditionally have been like. So that's just it. It's, we're so far from anything actually being real there. There's going to be a long way to go for that process. He's probably the most coveted free agent pitcher on the market. I can say pitcher because Shohei Otani isn't pitch yeah. anymore, but I think especially just because Aaron Nola, I think is quite good, but I think just Yamamoto is much sexier. Like Nola, Nola is Nola is what he is, but Yamamoto is like whoa, ninety nine, nice. Yeah, I mean Yoshinobu Yamamoto, just real quick because I want to just talk about his numbers for like a second before we actually like ever deep dive into him. But just from the outside looking in, the last three years in the NPB, and of course it's not Major League Baseball, but it's still very very good. I mean, we saw Japan won the World Baseball Classic. Here's what his innings count is, 193, 193, 171. You know what his ERAs are for that year? Because uh, they're pretty disgusting. 139, 168, 116. So over the last almost 600 innings of his professional baseball career, his ERA has been under 2, under 1.5 probably. And if you go all the way back, you look at 2020, he had a 2.4 ERA. You look at, uh, or 2.2 ERA. You look at 2019, 199. 2018, 210. He's only ever been disgusting, and that's something that is super intriguing. It's going to be a hot market for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, without a doubt. Yeah, he's won the um, Japanese Triple Crown two, uh, three years in a row. And I think he's won three years in a row because I think he's also won the Quadruple Crown two years in a row, which they, add, crazy. Win, they add win percentage in there too for the Quadruple <laughs> Crown, which I think is really funny. But someone said that. I was like, I've never, ever heard the Quadruple Crown ever, but I like Quadruple Crowns. But he's incredible. I think he's lights out. You saw him in the World Baseball Classic last year. We're going to do a deep dive into a lot of the available players once the World Series concludes, and we're going to get to that. And then there's one more piece of news to report, a lot of reporting by Andy Martino in the last couple of days that there is a little bit of momentum now with Craig Council. Not going to remark on rumors, but there was an article a few days ago that Martino wrote that said geography would not stop Council from potentially 
thinking about the Mets job, which is there's still a lot to be done about a fit and all that stuff. But geography is a big deal because councils grew up in Washington, uh, Wisconsin. His, he literally still lives in the same town in Wisconsin that he graduated high school in. Really? Yeah. And he played for the Brewers and then he got a job in the Brewers front office. Then he was a color guy for the Brewers for a year or two. And then he was the Brewers manager. And that's been literally his entire life. So the fact that geography theoretically reported would not stop council was a big hurdle. And now there is a report that came out recently, yesterday, when you guys listening to this, possibly today, depending when, when you guys listen to this, that um, there is permission for an interview. That yes. is what was reported. And that's that. And that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting. Moving on to the next couple bit of news as well. Uh, shout out to the Seven Line. Of course, you guys know about them. Great. We love Darren. Shout out Darren. Uh, they're now in the MLB store. So if you guys ever want to physically go buy some things from the Seven Line, you can go to the MLB store in Manhattan. I think it's right by the MLB offices, right by yes. Radio City. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool store, by the way, if you've never been there. I've been there a bunch of times. It's it like... Awesome. I don't know if you went to the NBA store as a kid. That was like such a cool place to be. Me and my mom, my mom used to let me play hooky once a year. They had this thing called like the spring jam where they would do contests and like free throw contests at the NBA store. And I'd clean up winning all these free prizes. I got a Chris Paul fathead. I got like $150 gift card all in the same day, which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, MLB stores got similar vibes to that of just like jerseys everywhere, every single team. Now you can get the seven line. I think specifically they're going to have the really cool hats that they have, which are like the um, the home run apple uh, beanie for the winter and then the tweed hats, which are fantastic. Not for me, but I think for you, James, it would work. Yeah, I want that blue tweed hat. I might, I might go this weekend and try and grab it. But so funny you're talking about that, Huggy. I used to love going to the NBA store as a kid specifically to look at Yao Ming and Shaq's shoes. Yes, that oh, was the awesome. thing ever. Because I mean, if you or guys the are, hands, yeah, yeah, if you guys ever met me in real life, I'm I'm not the biggest guy in the world. So when I was like ten, like Yao Ming's shoe was like the size of my entire arm, like shoulder to wrist. <laughs> so I thought that was really fun to look at. But it's just really cool to see like where the Seven Lions gone in the last few years. Darren's always been so accommodating, inviting to us. Shout out first ever sponsor of the Messed Up Podcast, Seven Line, and um, just amazing to see the growth of everything that's happened. The fact you can buy those clothes as out because inside the season, you know, you can buy them in center field. But outside the season in the MLB store, it's momentous, a massive step, and it's really, really, really cool just to see what he's done with that. It's admirable. Yep, couldn't happen to a better guy. Shout out Darren, works super hard and is super passionate about what he does. And the Seven Line's awesome. We love him. So shout out Darren, shout out the Seven Line. And then, of course, we want to send our best wishes to Pat McCarthy, who was involved in a jogging accident, um, underwent some type of medical procedure for it. His dad, who is the play by or one of the people in Philadelphia, does a broadcast, said he's doing well. He's going to be okay, but we just want to make sure we send our best wishes to him because Pat, friend of the podcast as well. Yeah, Pat, great, great year reporting. Just hope, hope he's okay. Shout yes, out Pat. hope he's okay. Shout out Pat. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about this World Series preview because, like we said at the beginning of the show, this is this is an exciting World Series. I know it doesn't involve the Mets, and I know some people get mad when we tell you we're excited about watching a team outside of the Mets. But we're baseball fans. We love the Mets, and then we love baseball as well. And what's even better is that these two two teams, I don't hate either of them. The Phillies are gone. The Braves are gone. There's no Yankees for me. You might hate the Astros. I don't, but you might. They're not in it either. We got the Rangers versus the Diamondbacks in what is such a unique matchup. I'm super excited to watch some games. We might be heading out to Arizona to go see a couple of them as well. Uh, What are you feeling about this one, James? I'm ridiculously excited for this. Genuinely, because it's like it's... Both of these teams are such like points of emphasis to like what you can do in modern baseball and how quickly with the right people in place and just a couple pushing the right buttons, how quickly things can change. Both of these teams lost 100 games two years yep. ago. 
And I don't think either of these teams had a winning record last year. I think the Diamondbacks were around 500, maybe a game or two over. But in the Texas range, I believe, has 78 wins last year. And just the right types of investments, the right types of hires, it's amazing how quickly you can change. You personally, I know we both were pretty aware the Rangers were going to be good this year. I know that. Yeah. We, right after the World Series last year, Mark and I were pretty – we really had a good feeling about the Rangers. We just had a conversation about it. Like right the second the, the Phillies lost the World Series, which is nice that they – last year lost the World Series. Well – pile on the Phillies after we talk about teams that won, but lost the World Series. Now this year they lost the NLCS. So, you know, t- Philadelphia, Titletown, they can't they can't stop getting close and losing. It's, a, <laughs> it's as good as it gets. Uh, all those clutch players pointing to their fingers. You know, that's, that's how many rings. Yeah. Oh, how many oh. rings all those guys. How about we talk, talk about the winners first. Talk about the winners first. But seeing the fact that this Arizona Diamondbacks team, like the fight in a team that everyone has written off the entire year, they had absolutely nothing going for them. For They had a really good two months of the season were abysmal in the middle part of the season. The Mets handled them soundly during the middle of the year. I think the Mets won, what, five out of seven games against them this season? Six out of seven. There you go. Six out of seven games against them this season. So shout out to the captain of the Mets for that one. But so many things happened. So many players lost. There's, here's a fun staff for the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. Ketel Marte makes $11.6 million a year. Merrill Kelly, 8.5. Christian Walker, 6.5. The fourth highest paid player on the Diamondbacks. Can you guess who it is? Tommy Pham, Paul Seawald. Nope, neither. Tommy Pham. Oh, uh, oh Evan Longoria. Nope. Whoa, it's not? Nope, not for adjusted salary. He's $5 million. Whoa, okay. Oh, Madison Bumgarner. No, he's, uh, let's see what he, uh, I mean, technically he's due $18 million, but I'm not counting guys not on the roster. Yeah, actually, All oh, right. here's a fun one. Madison Bumgarner, the highest paid player in Diamondbacks, is not on the team. Nick Ahmed, the third technically highest paid player, <laughs> is also not on the team. Same with so Carson Kelly, who would be the ninth highest paid player. It's Mark Melanson. What? Do $6 million. Is he on the team? He's been on the IL basically the entire season. Whoa, Mark Melanson was on the Diamondbacks? I, I legitimately thought he retired and disappeared into obscurity. Nope, that's not it. And I'm also I'm looking for a text message right now I sent to my buddy. Um, hear this. August 17th, my buddy Christian, shout out Christian, works player development down for the Astros, single A team. Not Astros, Diamondbacks, single A team. I got my baseball friends confused. On August 17th, Diamondbacks were reeling. I think they'd lost like 10 out of 11 games or like 13 out of 16, something like that. And they pulled out the purple jerseys as per the wishes of Huge. the team on August 17th. And that single-handedly turned the entire season around just to, again, show that you look good, you feel good, and you feel good, you play good. I want to get there. I want to get the record on that day. But yeah, you, you, you pontificate now about your time in Arizona. Yeah, so I, I was there for game three, four, and five. Shout out Dalton, James' friend, now my friend as well, who uh, let me sleep on his couch, a real mensch. Uh, shout out to Dalton for that one. Had a blast out there. Uh, people are saying Arizona wasn't going to bring the vibes. They, the stadium was loud. Now, granted, the roof was closed, so it does help a little bit, but the stadium was raucous, especially for that Cattell Marte walk-off, especially for the Alec Thomas home run. The place was going wild. I had an absolute blast out there. Super excited to go back to Arizona for the World Series, even if we don't go to a, like every single game out there. Just go to one or hang out some bars. People were really fun. People seemed to really love the snakes out there. Uh, good atmosphere. Philly fans really thought they were going to take over. They did not. There were a bunch of them there, but they left pretty quiet almost every single night. Um, and it was... It was just a really good time. It was also awesome, and I know we both tweeted about this funny enough without even noticing, that everybody finally gets to see how effing good Kittel Marte is. I know we've talked about it on this podcast whenever we play the Diamondbacks. We're like, this is one of the best like second basemen in baseball, without a doubt, the dude's elite. He now owns the record for the longest hit streak in postseason history. Every single postseason game Kittel Marte has ever played in, he has got a hit. 
And I know we're not a batting average podcast, but that is impressive. And just what he's been able to do at the top of that order, especially when Corbin Carroll had been struggling outside of game seven, which Corbin Carroll legacy game, James Shiano called it in the group text message. Huge, huge to get him going. Gabby Moreno has been great. And then there's been incredible cold spells. Tommy Pham and Christian Walker have been almost non-existent in the, in the NLCS for them. And they were still able to build, beat the Phillies. Lourdes Gurriel has been great. Alec Thomas, guy I think hit four home runs all year. He has like five in the postseason. Just goes to show you Ronaldo like... Perdomo. Yeah, Geraldo Perdomo, soft contact king. The dude can't hit the ball harder than me, but he gets on base a ton and he's been stealing, playing good defense. The Diamondbacks are a fun team in a different way than the Rangers, like you said, because the Rangers did go out and spend money. They, but they also have the same in that like they've been getting these huge, huge contributions from guys that are essentially free on their team. Like Corbin Carroll being free and being as good as he is is unbelievable. If he, in terms of value, he had to be one of the top players in baseball this year in terms of like that fan graphs monetary value that they gave you. Uh, how about Brandon Fott? How about Brandon Fott, a guy who struggled mightily this year and just shoved, shoved all postseason long. He's been phenomenal. The bullpen. Filled with guys that you've probably never heard of. I, I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, us fans don't aren't knowledgeable. But seriously, how many of you knew that Kevin Ginkle was this good? How many of you knew that uh, Andrew Salfrank was going to come in and get some big outs? Or even Kyle Nelson, like guys that are just not necessarily jump off the page big, but having big moments. Ryan Thompson, guys that picked up off the sh- scrap heap. So really cool to see the Dimebacks playing well, but also on the other side. Really cool to see the Rangers just kind of absolutely give it to the Astros. I know it was game seven, but they pretty much dominated this series. Yeah, I do. I, I think, again, both teams are really exciting. Both teams are a lot of fun. And you're talking about Cattell Marte. And I think that the way that you watch the other players on the Dominican Republic's national team, the WBC, kind of interact with Cattell Marte. And you saw the respect he was given when that lineup was being drawn up and being in that lineup every day. You could see what other players think of him. And he's a pl- guy who he power contact, good defense, good athleticism, on-field leader. Like, he literally does everything. And he's one of the fun players in the league where he doesn't really have a weakness, as crazy as it is to say, because he's not a player that's, like, nationally syndicated. He's not, like, he's not a living household name. But he's got a positive run value against every single pitch he saw this year. He doesn't have a negative run value against any pitch. His barrel rate's at league average. He strikes out whiffs and chases well above league average with the power. Doesn't strike out. Like, he's... He's awesome. He's a really good baseball player. People don't talk about it enough. And there's there's so many things in this team. I think Brandon Fott, his, the way he's come alive in this postseason, I think we talk about a lot in the show, but is a lesson to the way people across baseball interact with prospects is the way I want to say it, to where you kind of... Stuff we say on this podcast all the yeah, time. Like Brandon Fott this year, he had such a disastrous first cup of coffee in the major leagues. And he's someone who came up with this, this crop of young Diamondbacks pitchers with him, Ryan Nelson, and Drew Jameson. And... There was a time where Fott was probably considered the lower of those three. And then last season, he had an incredible revolutionary year in the minor leagues where then he became the one who was supposed to be the highest of those three, where he just, he steamrolled through AAA, had a lot of strikeouts in AA before going to the PCL. ERA was better in AAA, but he put together, and this is the most important thing about Brandon Fott and kind of seeing which young guys can step up for a team when things matter most, he put up innings. Last year, Brandon Fott threw 160 innings in minor leagues. It was one of the highest totals for any minor league player in all of baseball. And I think that is a big thing when you look at guys, especially now to bring it back to the Mets. We're going to be looking at the Mets season next year where we don't know what the pitching rotation is going to look like. And there's a lot of young guys this year who like kind of asserted themselves and took these steps up. And you want to look at the guys who possibly could be there. Because I think another thing that we struggle with in baseball analysis, because a lot of it comes for fantasy baseball, because that's just where yes. a lot of people come and talk about it. 
we try too much to think about the beginning of the year rather than the end of the year because you're playing and you want a guy who's going to be on the team right away. You want a guy who's going to be contributing. You want a guy who's going to jump from the start. You want to get that advantage. But a guy like Fott, who came up and was horrific, ERA was nine through the first half of the year. He makes a little adjustment. Shout out Brent Strom. Best, best to do it. Best in the biz so, right there. So good. He moves him on the mound, so his two-seam fastball that with the arm side run away from the lefties into the righties can have a little more life and kind of get off the plate a little bit more. And you see that work in this series against the Phillies where Stott did get to him, but you see the way that a pitcher like Fott can give fits to left-handed batters who aren't used to that kind of crazy movement coming from a right-handed pitcher. And you see the way he can build confidence. And it, comes, it all comes, again, from throwing so many innings last year. And he's just hit his innings cap this year. For like for where he was compared to last year, through 160 last year, he just got to about 170 this year. That's the guy who's clean for the World Series. Like you, to be able to have him as be their third most important pitcher, I would even argue their most important uh, starting pitcher through the series. The way Zach Gallon struggled, the way Merrill Kelly got hit in his first appearance, Brandon fought to go out there and throw multiple gems in the playoff series against a team with the hottest lineup in the league. It's it's really unbelievable. And again, it just goes to show people that when you have a prospect like this, you have to give people you have to give them time. You have to give them time. The things they do in their first three, four, five, six major league starts, they're not going to be indicative of what they do the rest of their career, even as we're seeing now, the rest of the season. If they would have given up on him, they wouldn't have made the World Series. But they stuck with him. They had a lot of confidence in him. He made the right adjustments. And then when the opportunity arose, he stepped up and he delivered. And that's kind of one of the most beautiful things about baseball in general. Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop doing the snakes. Shout out Dalton. Shout out Co for Let Me Stay. We'll be there again next week. And, uh, Last thing I want to say, too, that I heard on the broadcast and that Tori Lovello talked about. Also, shout out to Tori Lovello. Done an incredible job this year. They've they've stuck with a plan. And I know some people are anti-analytics. Yeah, he did not play Alec Thomas last night. He didn't start him. There was a lefty on the mound, Ranger Suarez, started Tommy Pham. It ended up working out. He stuck to the plan. He pulled Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly was dealing, pulled him, said, get out of the game. Merrill Kelly was pissed. They won that game because he stuck to the plan, trust the numbers, trust his guys, trust their plan that they had. Huge job by him, but he was talking about one thing that he loved about Brandon Fott last year in particular, and something we've talked about on this podcast, and I know Vito and John have talked about on Future of Flushing, is how important it is for these young players to be in just playoff games, championship games, even in the minor leagues. And one thing they talked about was last year, Brandon Fott pitched in the championship game in AAA for the Reno Aces, and how he was he was thrilled. He was like, give me the ball. I want the ball. I want to pitch this game. In a spot where theoretically he could have been discouraged, that he was not called up to the major league level last year to make maybe one or two starts at the end of the season. Instead, he was like, I get to pitch in a playoff atmosphere in the minors. Obviously, it's different, but he seized the opportunity. He was super excited about it. And that was something that Tori Lavella said. He's like, basically, he's a dog. He's a dog. He wants to be out there. He wants the ball. He's excited. You saw him reading his book before the game on the bench, which was pretty awesome. Like, really, really cool stuff to see. Prospects, again, are not linear. We'll bang it home again because I'm sure we're going to have this conversation at some point next year when someone gets called up and has one bad appearance and people start freaking out again. But just remember, this is a long, long thing to find out if these players are good or not. And Someone like Brandon Fott's a good example. Now, to talk about those Rangers because we also got to talk about them too. Like I said, they kind of manhandled the Astros, which sounds crazy because it was a seven-game series. But this offense is out of control and when Adolis Garcia is playing like simply the best player in Major League Baseball right now it's going to be really really hard to beat them like the Dimebacks weakness for sure is probably their starting pitching they did not look great outside of Brandon Fott and Merrill Kelly Adolis Garcia man he's just going to neutralize anything that's going well for you he's such a dog 
I think the coolest thing about this World Series is that these two teams are so different in the way that they were built. And not that there's any bad thing about it, but they both go to show you like how quickly things can happen. The Diamondbacks have been slowly curating this farm system for a few years, and then they snapped. They got aggressive. They got. I mean, we also. I don't. We can't move on without talking about Paul Seawald, right? I was really trying not to. <laughs> Paul, Paul Seawald. The fact that as Mets fans, we're going to watch a World Series where Paul Seawald and Tommy Pham are going to probably be contributing more than Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom. <laughs> Some kind of vortex of time and space. I can't even. Really and Miguel Castro. And Miguel Castro, really, especially Ginkle and Seawall at the back of that bullpen, just completely being nails during the series. If those two guys even let up an inch, the Diamondbacks are not going to the World Series. Kevin Ginkle with that insane downward slider. Slider sick. That gyro slider is incredible. Everyone talks about sweepers, and he comes back with a gyro slider, and JT Real Muto's looking. Who, who who snapped their bat? Was it Bohm snapped his bat? Bohm snapped yeah. it yesterday. I was like, calm down, Hardo. Oh no, well that's when you, they they mentally lost the game in that moment. But yeah, just made, again, Cespedes Barbecue had a great tweet where the Diamondbacks just tweeted the words Kevin Ginkle yesterday, like <laughs> at 17 p.m. And they were like, imagine if you saw this in March. Yeah, <laughs> like, what would you think? And like Kevin Ginkle is the kind of guy who most baseball fans really don't know. I know my deep fantasy baseball heads do, just because he was the prospective closer in the team for the last two years. But they would never give him the ball there, even though he was always been their best reliever. He's always graded the best. He throws the hardest, and he has the best off speed pitch. It's really frustrating. But Seawald, man, Paul Seawald has become the the quintessential move that was made to trade that end this year. Like, how can the Mariners look up having missed the playoffs? Jerry DePoto talking about winning fifty four percent of their games, and you traded the guy who's become the most important piece of a team that's on in the World Series right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been great. He's been absolutely money, lights out. That bullpen's been fantastic. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do. This Rangers lineup, though, is just so good. I know I keep bringing it up. No, but, like, top to bottom, Marcus Simeon leads it off. And then you got Corey Seager hitting, too. Like, come on. Those two up first, first and second. And then, oh, how about Kev- Evan Carter, 21 years old. Talk about another 21-year-old who's doing incredible things. Me and you have been hip to Evan Carter for a bit, so we've known that this was coming. But my, I mean, he's so good. He's so good. His plate discipline's out of control. And then, oh, Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim. Everywhere you go in this lineup, Nathaniel Lowe's hitting seventh. That guy's a dog. That guy's a ball player. Shout Nathaniel Lowe. No, he's going through some stuff off the field. Like, so happy for that guy that he was able to hit a huge home run in game seven. Even Leody Tavares, Travis Jankowski made an appearance and almost hit a home run, got robbed by Kyle Tucker. This lineup is legit. Now, where they do lack, is on the pitching side. The pitching is not good. Not good at all. But if they keep scoring 10 runs a game, it truly doesn't matter what the Diamondbacks do. They will not win. No, it doesn't. But, I, again, there's just there's so much about this Rangers team that we can look at, again, pulling, thing back, pulling things back to the Mets and be like, okay, yep. this, is, this is part of the blueprint. Because the Rangers, a lot of Astros fans were a little butthurt about it. That, oh, my God, the Rangers spent so much money and did it. Even though the teams, I think, yearly payroll is separated by like $10 million, maybe. Yeah. $7 million about that. So, yeah, cool. But... They went out in free agency, and this is something that you got to tip your hat to the Phillies, too. I mean, I mean, they've had two very good seasons here. They made it further than most teams in baseball cumulatively in the last two years. Can't say they didn't. A lot of but rings. Yeah, a lot of rings. So many rings. But if you go out in free agency, like, it's kind of chastised a little bit because of how, you know, the Mets, the Padres, the Yankees all fared this year, the Dodgers year after year. But if you go get the right players, do you, it, it, it really is. Like, that's the difference. And Seager and Semyon together, Nathan Navaldi, my God, what this guy, the fact that he's not even throwing hard anymore, he just shows up <laughs> in the postseason, no one hits him with the, those big-ass ears. It doesn't make any sense. But if you go out and you could do the right things with the right players, I think a huge part of that, doing the right things with the right players, is the organizational infrastructure, the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. put in place. Talked about in the past, I think Chris Young's done an amazing job as general manager Incredible. there. It took them a lot to fire John Daniels after they made him the youngest general manager in team history. A lot of swings and misses in his regime, but 
the biggest thing they did, two huge moves. I tweeted about it the other day, and you could tell that it's something that's off the radar because it got like three likes. Darren <laughs> Willem, they hired him in 2021, right at the like time we started this podcast. If you guys are really longtime listeners to this, you probably heard us pontificating about it because he's the godfather of baseball savant. He's run their R&D department for years now since 2021 and the things that they've done years they like even like the moves they've made that haven't really worked out like john gray like they kind of you had to get john gray if you don't have john yeah. gray they wouldn't have gone to the playoffs like the things he was doing for them may and june really important andrew heaney you know what it's weird but right now at least he can give you a few innings like andrew heaney's always going to be that guy who's like one adjustment away he's the kind of dane guy dunning dane dunning but like dane dunning the massive shifts they've done with dane dunning in the last year switching his two-seamer and his sinker and his fastball like the way he's approaching hitters just building this bullpen of pure chaos but everyone at least still throws 95 96 miles yep. an hour so like it's still gonna be hard to hit these guys aren't that good but they're still kind of hard to hit like it's just it's so cool what they've done and then the last guy you're talking about because you go through the lineup jonah heim taking the big step mitch garver turning the clock back i know who it Daniel is Daniel low josh young Donnie Ecker, guys. There he is. There hasn't been one thing written about this guy since this team went crazy. There's been nothing. The hitting coordinator, the bench coach for this roster, it's like sometimes in baseball you look and you're like, wow, every single guy in this team is having a career year. What credit to the manager slapping, slapping, their, slapping their butts every single day? No, it's the guy game planning for them. The guy saying, this is how you select your pitches. A guy like Adolis Garcia doesn't become one of the best hitters in baseball on accident when he's someone who swings at everything, can't identify a slider for five years, an entire baseball professional life, and now suddenly he's walking 10% of the time, his barrel yep. rate's still 20%. Like That is not something that happens. So everyone look up Donnie Ecker. You can see what happens when you get the right coaches and the right organizational infrastructure in place. Donnie Ecker, Darren Willem. Chris Young, and also we got, I, I make fun, we joke about it, but Bruce Bochy does get some legitimate credit for this. Steady. He really does. Like the fact that he has never lost a game seven, and now Dusty Baker has still never won one. Like <laughs> baseball is random, and there's a lot of variance in this game, but that is something that you really, that's not an accident. Like you just can't, you can't, that you, you got to tip your cap to that. And seeing him be interviewed after game six, I think was that stark realization of how having someone who has won, who has been there before, who's legitimately been there before someone who who championed the dynasty you don't yes, do that over the last over dynasty again. in baseball yes the last dynasty in baseball i'd probably say the last dynasty in sports because the patriots first dynasty was before that the second one i don't think was really warriors dynasty. yeah warriors yeah warriors i forgot war i mean just kevin durant i don't know i guess i mean they're they're a loser dynasty but they were one yeah they guess they were a dynasty i just i don't know the nba oh the nba started the other day whoop-de-doo the nba <laughs> there's baseball going on still guys it's but, true um, it, to the fact that he has been there before, the moment's not too big. This team was completely dead. Both of these teams were completely dead in the middle dead. of August. Dead. I had I finally got that stat before. When the the Diamondbacks on August 14th had lost, where is it? Eight out of ten games. They dropped to below 500 for the first time in the season on August 14th, and then they brought out the purple jerseys, and that's when it all turned back around. Look good, feel good, feel good, play good. But give Bruce Brochi the credit. This team has been dead so many times this year. They went up against all, like so many good teams this postseason, and they just—he was like, you know what? We're gonna win. We're gonna go, and we're gonna hand it to him. And it was so sweet to watch them just crush, murder the Astros, an Astros team that seems like they're kind of making some changes. It doesn't. It seems like that they might not look like the Astros of old really anymore. Dusty's kind of gone. Feels a little different. Dusty's gone. Um, they a lot of that front office like they walked away during the postseason, which is kind of a normal thing because usually that's when front office contracts are up sometime in October. So that's not You're really not doing much. Yeah, <laughs> people are freaking out about that one, but it's also kind of like 
it, I don't know, it could be changes. This could be something that we look back in five years and be like, yeah, that's when this thing ended. But it might not be. They could be back next year. I'm not going to count them out. They go Probably every, will be. They go to every ALCS. But it's just to see them crush them like that and see that ballpark of all those passionate fans that dress like, for lack of a better word, idiots, leave <laughs> in the eighth inning. Oh, it was sweet and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And it's so funny because we like the Astros too. We have I don't, I don't, no ill will towards them. No, I don't hate the Astros at all. It's more their fans. They're just kind of annoying. But I, the, the roster, the players, like they're an all-time great team. Like we're going to be talking, we're going to be telling our grandkids about Jose Altuve. Like he's going oh, to be yeah. a Hall of Famer. He's go, he's one of, if not for literally the the, the the cheating scandal, he'd be one of the most loved athletes of our generation. Hundred percent. It's, it's something to say, but I think he still should get the credit he deserves being one of the best players of a generation. But pound this for Rangers, pound. yeah, <laughs> this Rangers team is fun. They're exciting. They're confident. They're brash. They think they're going to beat you. If you guys didn't get a chance, you have to check out the ump cam of Adolis oh. Garcia's home run. It's probably the best use of any intuitive camera ever in an athletic field where the ump is looking at Adolis and he just throws his bat. And it looks like he's like talking talking to the umpire where he's yeah. screaming. He's putting his hands up. He's saying, that's it. That's that. Home run about four straight games, including yeah. the game he got plunked. It's oh my god! It's so it's so much fun. They're such a fun baseball team, and they're a team that went out and in a couple of years they're like, you know what? We're going to be good. Let's go spend a bunch of money. Let's hire the right people, and we're going to be good. We don't really care if you put investment in these baseball teams in the right places. You're going to be good, and they prove that. And honestly, like as a Met fan, it should be music to your ears. Brought in David Stearns, a really, really, really good start right there, and we know he was able to build a winning team out in Milwaukee. Which, funny enough. Every team, or uh, if you beat the Brewers in the playoffs, you are guaranteed to make the World Series since 1981, which I do believe is like the first time they made the postseason, possibly in their history. Every single team that has beat them in the playoffs since then has gone on to the World Series, which is just an insane stat because the Diamondbacks obviously knocked them out early. Embrace the chaos. This is a chaos World Series. This is a chaos playoffs. This is kind of what you almost want to see a little bit when you have these more expanded playoffs. You don't want to just see the one seeds walk through. That almost makes it a little bit less worth it. Now with these expanded playoffs, you see two six seeds make it. You go, yeah, it seems like the expansion actually might have been the right idea because in previous years, both these teams simply would not have even had a chance to make the playoffs. They would have been out of it. Would have been Their seasons would have been over. And I and I think you, too, think it's really cool that we get to see both these teams on the national stage in what is going to be a really, really fun World Series. Again, shame on the writers who are saying this one's boring. Shame on any baseball fans who are saying this isn't going to be a fun one. Listen, you, you can spend your time how you want. That's fine. But the people who are supposed to be reporting about these stories, writing about these games, promoting the game that are not doing a great job, absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. Let's go. Who, where you go? I think I say it's also these are the same people who whined all season, all last off season that it's all about money in baseball, all the big money yep. teams, you can't stop them. And a team like the Diamondbacks, it goes to show you that a small market team that's under five hundred in the middle of August, just sometimes you gotta just go for it. And like they went for it, man. Seawald and Tommy Fam, like it didn't seem like much of the time, but you look back <laughs> and you're like, this is a real that was a really good trade deadline. I think we said that yeah. on your stream where it's like and the best part about this and the worst thing about these writers killing it is that both of these teams are such a message to every other team in baseball. Yep. If you have the money and you're not spending it, you're costing yourself chances to win. If you're not in this for chances to win, why are you in it? And if you're a yep. team in the middle, at the middle, the middle of the season, just go for it. You mm -hmm. can win. Like, oh, yeah, you could just win these games. You can win these games. Sometimes, you know, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, sometimes they, 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 get, they go one for 30 in the last two <laughs> games of a series. Sometimes that happens. If that happens, you have a chance to win. Like, you could, it just, these are such good lessons to every other organization in baseball.
you sometimes you got to push the chips. You got no one to hold them, no one to fold them. This isn't like I'm not like substituting the Mets right now. The Mets knew when to fold them. It was a great trade deadline, and we'll yeah. tip our caps to that forever. But this Diamondbacks team that was reeling and they weren't that good. They don't know when the team makes any money. There's no household names. There's really not really any superstars besides Corbin Carroll and Catal Marte. If you really know what's going on, but no bullpen. Oh my God, it's just go. And the Rangers just you got money, spend it, get some superstars, and make it happen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do a World Series prediction. I don't want to jinx either of these teams. I just want good baseball. I just want good ball, too. Like, it's just fun. Like, I want to see these teams do it. And it's, I just want to watch some games. And also, it's kind of fun that we have a chaos series where the, we don't really got that much pitching. It's going to be no. It's gonna be a lot of action. <laughs> a lot, weird, lot of scoring. Going to be some weird guys get some innings in the series, which I kind of like a lot. It's going to be some Jose. Also, shout out to Jose Leclerc. Do you realize how long Jose Leclerc's been doing this? For like 2017, 18, I think. I think, I think even before that. I think he first came Whoa. up in like 2015. I'm trying to get his fangrass page right now because I remember Jose Leclerc randomly helped me to a fantasy baseball championship. And I want to say, Leclerc what year was is it? 2016, his first year. Yeah, 2016, his first year. In 2018, Jose Leclerc helped lead me to a championship, like 12 second half saves. Massive, <laughs> massive. Changed my entire season, Jose Leclerc. I won five ERA, but just a guy. Like, 29 year old closer he just got hot at the right time just going off he had that you know he had a little bit of a shake up in the middle of the series but he got he got back to it and it's just it's fun seems have so many fun players so many redemption stories like so many cool things happening yeah no it's going to be an awesome series i hope we get to watch some great baseball hope it goes all seven games that's what i'm rooting for there go snakes go rangers go whoever it's going to be great baseball and you guys if you are baseball fans you should be watching a lot of really good players in this game uh in this series now last thing to talk about here it was Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, five minutes on the Phillies. You got to do five minutes. Five on minutes the on the Phillies. Garrett what? Stubbs. What a joke job. Stubbs, what an idiot that guy is, Garrett Stubbs. I mean, talk about talk about an absolute botch. Did you not learn anything? Did you not learn anything from the series where you beat the Braves? Don't give a team bulletin board material. And literally, literally minutes after they beat the Braves, what does Garrett Stubbs say? Can't wait to jump in that pool and celebrate. Like, what an idiot. What an idiot. Because the Diamondbacks... The Diamondbacks literally were like, oh, we're not letting that happen. That's something that they mentioned. Tori Lavello talked about it in a press conference after the game. They're not celebrating in that pool. Like, why would you do that? And he called out the Mets too. You should have been worried about the snakes. It is funny that I feel like this Phillies team, similar to exactly what the Braves did last year, just completely forgot that there was more baseball to be played. Once yep. they won what they deemed as the big series last year, the Braves being the Mets. And then this year, the Phillies being the Braves, like you kind of build up these series all year. And then mentally, it's hard to get yourself back ready. Like they totally overlooked the Arizona Diamondbacks. The national media totally overlooked the Arizona Diamondbacks. Chris Mad Dog Russo really overlooked the Arizona Diamondbacks. Every single person in baseball went immediately to who are the Phillies playing in the World Series. And now it's like, all right, you're about, you, you could lose Aaron Nola. Like you just, you got, I mean, you should. You, you probably will lose Aaron Nola. Like you still have bullpen issues you have to remedy. The lineup is still going to be Which, there, but what? How great was it that the bullpen did not show up in the biggest series of the year? I feel vindicated for that. There's a Philly fan that has been chirping me all year in my DMs. As soon as the game lo they lost the game last night, I literally started telling them, yeah, how'd that bullpen look, buddy? How's that, how's that season going, dude? I was like, I've been waiting for this all year. I know they had a good regular season. They got him there. But man, Craig Kimbrell crumbling, crumbling. Oh. It's just amazing to see this Phillies team just absolutely do nothing at the end of the year. It's so great. And also, again, Turner, Harper, Castellanos. Castellanos in particular had a one brutal hit, series. One hit in game six and seven at home. The Phillies needed to win one game in the bank. Ooh, the vaunted bank. Rob the, the bank. The, the scariest arena in sports. Yeah, shout out that, that, we should have posted that, uh, that Photoshop Dalton made too of robbing the bank. 
Yeah. But it just goes to show you that it just it's just gotta win. You gotta play ball sometimes. It's so it's so much about what's in here. And you got people not watching YouTube like what's so in your mental. Head? It's so mental. This stuff. The Phillies were like, oh, we, people thought they were gonna they were gonna sweep them this series. This series seemed well, over. That's my hot take. I think them taking the first two games as easily as they did was actually the kiss of death thinking back on it. Because like you said, everyone was kind of already looking forward to who are the Phillies going to play in the World Series. And I think after they won those two games, especially game two, smacking Zach Allen and then smacking Merrill Kelly around for a bunch of runs, I think that almost made them a little bit too comfortable. You go into Arizona, beautiful weather. It was 103 degrees while I was there, which is insane. I, the jersey was unbuttoned while I was watching these games. It was so hot. But I think the fact that they kind of took those two games almost in retrospect was the kiss of death because they they had no adversity. They had nothing that was keeping them hot. They they handled them pretty easily. And it was like, oh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna beat them. Like that's what it's gonna be. And it's kind of what it felt like with them. And Super came down and Brandon Fott being that stopper. Because if Brandon Fott gets hit in that series, then you're done. Series is over. Yep. You can't go down 3-0, even if they went down like 4 nothing in game three. <laughs> bullpen no game. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the and then the bullpen game after that. Shout out the bullpen games out there. I can't I can't believe the Texas Rangers didn't do bullpen games this series when Max Scherzer was supposed to start. <laughs> I can't believe they were like just be a regular star. Like, what do you mean? Look how good these bullpen games work all the time in the playoffs, especially. But I don't know. And like this, I think dramatically changes where the Phillies vibes are. Like we're not dancing sure. on my own. We're not dancing on my own anymore next year, are we? You can't do that after you lose twice in the playoffs. You can't you can't bring the overalls back, can you? Like this, this the, feels What is with the overalls, different. by the way? What is that? Man, you're from Philly. Vibe. You're not from the South. What is oh, that? It is a fun vibe. You can't deny it. And now like getting all these conversations about Bryce Harper. He hits a lot of clutch home runs, not in the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He's really clutch in the DS series. He's amazing <laughs> there. And now you know what? This <laughs> people are gonna hate me for saying this. Oh boy. This couldn't have worked out better for the Mets. <laughs> this yeah. was an ideal postseason for the It was. Mets. It was. Really Outside of us winning it all, yeah. this was about as good as it could have gotten. And the other part of that is I want to just call to attention one more thing probably before we say bye to you guys. There were a lot of Mets fans that were really upset with Jacob deGrom last year when he left. And he went to the Rangers specifically because he talked about winning. And people were like, oh, the Rangers have done nothing ever. This team is nonsense. He's going out there just to pitch and not care about anything. And then he isn't even here, and this team's going to the World Series. If Jacob yeah. DeGrom was healthy right now. Where have I heard that before? Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's also like, I, I'm a little upset. And again, let us know in the comments if you guys made it this far in the show. Like YouTube, Twitter, whatever. Just like, I, I, I wish he was. I wish Jacob DeGrom was dominating the World Series right now. Because I've never wanted anything more than for Jacob DeGrom to succeed. Like, he is just, he's so good. He's the best baseball player most of us are ever going to watch in our favorite team in our lives. Like, there, it's so special, and the fact that fans were giving him like whatever you want to say about Max Scherzer, he was only here for a year and a half. Like I, I'm not, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Either, either way, there, I, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna say it. But Jacob Degrom really gave us everything he had, and he left because the team gave us gave him more money and had a lot of good things in place. This team, again, like Mark and I, Mark and I had a really good inkling last year, like during the World Series of 2022. This Rangers team had something cool. Yeah. That was before the ground was even there. And he didn't even really pitch this year. I no. almost feel bad if he's going to get a ring for this, for throwing like 17 innings. Like it's almost going to be like, this is the ring I get. Like, damn. But even like Scherzer go going out and getting completely shelled in his two postseason <laughs> games, being like, like, it's going to be weird if he gets a ring for this. But I don't know. I, I'm, I, it, it's, where the show it's bittersweet i i wish it yeah. would see jacob Degrom doing it at the highest level right now because he did wish it could be with us <laughs> yeah we should be with us of course but any anywhere like see him be an x-factor in a world series run would be cool and just the fact that so many mets fans have these tweets again our least favorite bald analyst 
was saying it himself too, that yeah. this team has no chance to do anything. Him saying this is like a slap in the face to the Mets. This team is good. This org- that organization is really good. And it's just, there's, there's, there's no ill will. I'll tell you this, guys. Me and James, we talk a lot. You might not agree with us all the time, but boy, oh boy, do we spit some facts sometimes. And we told you like when that happened, we're like, this isn't a good Rangers team. Like this isn't this. I know they lost a hundred games a couple years ago. This isn't a bad team. There's, they've got the makings to be a good one. Made the world series. That's probably out exceeded expectations by most, but just listen to what we say. Sometimes listen to what we say. We're not going to be the people that are going to be up in arms and telling you, Oh, we hate this guy. FM do this, do that. All that stuff. We have pretty sane takes for a pretty good reason. And I'm I'm honest, James is even more sane than me. I still come out with some hate every once in a while on here. But that's why you gotta listen to the Mets the podcast. We're gonna give you we're gonna give you the hot takes that are actually true, not like some of these other people who uh get a big voice on a national stage. But James, got anything else to talk about here? That's it. Just really excited for this World Series. Yep, really excited, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the video version of this. And if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And me at GiraffeNeckMark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. We will catch you on the next episode of the MetsUp Podcast. Might be from Arizona. Might be. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.